Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast. This is your host, Diana Crash from Good Vibes Marketing. And today I am joined yet again by the wonderful Leah D'Ambrosio of Big Smart. So love being on this show because you know I love what you guys are doing. I love supporting women in cannabis. I, I know you do because you're awesome at it. <laughs> I love you. Um, so we're going to continue our tradition of um, our new tradition. It's not really tradition yet. <laughs> we're going to continue um, our discussion of favorite discoveries in the industry. And mine is something I don't have direct experience with, but I really hope to someday because I think this is just the coolest product. Uh, it's the original inhaler, it's called, from OneGrow. And they have some type of technology where it's it's like a, it's like a little, it looks like a regular inhaler, like an asthma inhaler. And they say that... Um, the inhaler creates a molecule size, which is easily inhaled, allowing for quick absorption by the capillaries in the lungs and direct delivery to the bloodstream. And it's also, yeah, it's supposed to be designed to keep you from taking too much or too little at a time, which I really think is pretty cool. How does that work? Do you have to buy their cart? Is it like a vape pen cartridge? How does that work? I don't know. Do they sell this in Oregon? Yes. I mean, no, I don't know if they sell it outside of Oregon, but they are based in Oregon. Oh, but no, they're Oregon Oregon based. Okay, cool. I'm going to go check this out because that sounds really interesting. That sounds like a really cool thing to Yeah, I think it's pretty... It's the worst if you get too much. Right. And then if you want to be really discreet, I mean, how much more discreet is an inhaler? I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) It's like hand that rocks the cradle all the time, (laughs) y'all. that's pretty cool i like that i like that yeah all right your turn okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna go on this horrible girl crush and i apologize in advance but i love this woman it's my so it's kind of a company more than just a product it's Lori wolf of Lori and mary jane and Lori wolf has been in the like cooking industry for years she actually was like the food editor for uh, mademoiselle magazine and child magazine oh. and um yeah, she's got lots of experience, but she's written three really wonderful cannabis cookbooks, and I have them, and they're great. And then she also has this really cool butter kit. So what she gives you, you can only get it in Oregon right now, but I'm sure she's going to be branching out to other legal states soon, is it's this glass jar, and she gives you the already um, decarboxylated cannabis. Wow. And so she also gives you tests for it. Mm-hmm. The tests, like, if you bake with this, this is what's going to happen. Like, you use this much, this this is how many milligrams each of your cookies or whatever it is you're making is going to be, which I feel like is so great because in this day and age of legalization, there's a lot of people that don't have any experience with baking edibles. And as we all know from our childhood of baking those brownies with whatever you baked it with, it's it, it could be 100 milligrams or freaking 1,000 milligrams. So. I'm thinking of the Easy Baked Oven, and you're, yeah. you're talking like you're like as a child. I'm thinking, wait, I only really no, I meant, Easy Baked I get, Oven. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> You know, you're making yeah, yeah. your brownies and or whatever you're making. And so, but I thought this was really great because there's a lot of people out there. They don't want to smoke. They right. want to make edibles. But where do you start yeah. and how do you start responsibly? So I really love. That's really kid. cool. I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, and Lori is like this amazing person. She supports women. I visited her kitchen. She has all women working for her. Woo-hoo. Very her daughter-in-law. So Mary Jane is her daughter-in-law, which, and she's really great. She does all like all their marketing and 
she's really awesome too. But um, when I went to visit them, it was really an honor because I've just like idolized this woman. And she gave me these amazing brownie truffles. You can buy them in order um, thing that she had just come up with like a couple months ago. So and what they are is like a chocolate cake with chocolate sprinkles and like barely any frosting, just enough frosting for the sprinkles to stay. Mm-hmm. And I ate one and it was like, it was so amazing. I had six of them that I was supposed to give to my partner and my employee and I ate them all. <laughs> I ate them all in the car on the way home and it was only like a 20 minute ride and I couldn't stop eating them. They were so good. <laughs> so that's my favorite thing. I mean, I don't know, like I would get Lori and Mary Jane's if you're not in Oregon, I would get uh, Lori's uh, cookbooks because she has three on Amazon. You can just look up Lori Wolf. It's L-A-U-R-I-E and then Wolf, W-O-L-F. Look up her cookbooks because they're amazing. I mean, she has lots of experience with writing cookbooks and writing food reviews and writing recipes. She also writes for the cannabis Mm-hmm. And cannabis now. You can check out Mary and Lori Jane or yeah, Lori and Mary Jane on their website, which is Lori and Mary mm-hmm. Or you can find her cookbooks on Amazon also. Awesome. All right. So today we are changing the format a little bit. We're not gonna go into the typical news items that we usually do, um, because there is a much more press is that the right way to say it? No. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, We're going to go into a topic that is discussed a lot right now because it's a very important issue, and that's the opioid epidemic. Uh, And there's so much to discuss in that arena. But first up is a recent development in the Trump administration. Um, and I'm just going to read the headline that boingboing.net has put up. It's the inexperienced okay. man-child frat rat that Trump made deputy, <laughs> that Trump made deputy drug czar got fired from his only real job for not showing up. It says... I love that headline. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's so creative. Um, Taylor Wyaneff is America's number two official in charge of drug policy. He's a 24-year-old Trump, a former Trump campaign volunteer whose resume is singularly unimpressive. Apart from being a frat brother in good standing at St. John's University and organizing a single charity golf tournament, the only real jobs he's ever held were working in his daddy's Chia Seed Factory, which closed when his dad went to jail for illegally processing Mexican steroids. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. And working as a legal assistant at the New York White Shoe Law Firm of O'Dwyer and Bernstein. But apparently he never showed up to this job. And so um, anyway, long story short, his lack of experience that is now being highlighted uh, led to him. I think he withdrew from the job or resigned, whatever. Way yeah, I heard work. he had three different resumes and then he lied about completing his master's. He never right. he was like far from completing it. Yeah. I mean, shit, why don't I just try to get a job in the administration at this point? I mean, come oh, on. <laughs> I think it would be easy. You just go Trump, just tell him how great he is. And yeah, I couldn't make education. it that far. I couldn't do that. I'd be like, sorry, I'm sorry. So anyway, this is this is who he has put in charge of drug. I mean, this is a big job that he was filling and he had... He's 24 years old, literally no experience in any kind of drug except for his father's business, clearly. But I'm saying like any kind of uh, any kind of consumer advocacy or patient advocacy. He has no experience in that. Right. And uh, this is on the heels of uh, another recent. um, You can go ahead and just talk. (laughs) Yeah, so that's on the heels of Tom Marino, who stepped down in October. And so Tom Marino was put in the drug czar position. Um, But then it was found out, you know, of course, I think uh, 60 Minutes did a story on him that he sponsored a bill that made it far more difficult for the DEA to crack down on companies that made suspicious shipments of opioids. That's what really got me. I mean, I was glad he stepped down because anybody that's going to sponsor a bill that protects companies from not only like over shipping opioids to like, let's say pharmacies, but suspicious shipments. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you think that that should get you like fined and shut down? Mm-hmm. If you have boxes of opioids 
going out of your company and they're suspicious. They don't know where they're going. Yeah. And this man's trying to protect those companies. The problem that's going on in our country. It just is like so crazy to me. Yeah. I know. It just shows that there's really no effort in this mis- by this administration to actually fight the crisis in any kind of way. In fact, they're doing everything that they can possibly do to make no difference in it whatsoever. Uh, well, right, because I heard that the representative, um, who was at Kennedy, was saying that this is a sham, mm-hmm. that everything they're doing, it's all just lip service because they took away the funding. And what was that that they took away? It went from it was how like much was two hundred and eighty or no it was like more than that like three hundred and eighty eight to yeah. twenty four million. <sighs> what is that? Like that's like a ninety four percent reduction in mm-hmm. funding. Like mm-hmm. here he he creates this commission and says, okay, I'm gonna fight this opioid addiction, and then cuts all slashes. I mean, literally ninety four percent of the funding. Mm-hmm. It's crazy crazy and this is what he ran his whole campaign on was that he was going to fight the epidemic even though he said he's said himself that it's as simple as not taking a pill if you really don't want to take if you don't want to become addicted or whatever which is such a an asinine and that's that's a thing to say (laughs) that's a slap in the face for people who are in pain and i know like well like you for i mean i'm really blessed i don't have any pain and i've never been in that position but i know for people like you who have situations where you have chronic pain Mm -hmm. you rely on these doctors to prescribe something that's going to help you not get you addicted and to say just don't take a pill like how does that feel to you Mm -hmm. like someone who actually has to take something right i mean well that's just part of the problem is that people have that attitude and they're forgetting about the people who are in chronic pain Um, who take their medication responsibly, who become physically dependent, which is not the same thing as addiction. And because of that conversation, not including these people, there's such a shame. um, There's a lot of shaming going on. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been to the doctor, the same doctor who started me on the medication, you know, Uh who will say like, oh, well, this is you know, because because you develop a tolerance over time, you know, right. and, and, and it doesn't work for your pain anymore, but you're afraid to say anything because it's met with, oh, well, this is a very addictive medication. This is why we don't give it away that often. I've had doctors scream in my face that telling me that only cancer patients should be on oh this God. medication, you know. And I'm, is this the same doctors that prescribed the medication? medication to you that are screaming at you no in that situation it was a new doctor but she didn't even let me finish like what i was saying she had asked me what i'd already been on hey this doctor this other doctor prescribed it i'm going to you to try and get something new and then she's screaming at you i moved well i moved to a different state you know i moved to florida and and yes florida was going through a very big epidemic the pill mill epidemic you know rehabs being fraudulent all kinds of things yeah and i understand that but i have been taking it for several years responsibly and it's the lowest dosage possible and um wow she was looking at my records and she the first thing she said she just starts screaming at me you have no right to take this these are only for cancer patients how dare you even and i i didn't even ask for them to be refilled or anything like that like I didn't even get to that point I just I couldn't even believe it was happening and the the sad thing is that so many doctors are being trained to spot drug-seeking behavior rather than actually being trained for pain management that it's 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 such a lose-lose situation for the patient you know you would think yeah I don't understand that because you would think that when you go to your you're like, hey, I'm in pain, that they would know about pain management. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that, that generally is what the public believes, that yeah. their doctor is going to know about pain oh, management. Yeah. You would but I trust so. what you're saying yeah. because you don't, have experience. Don't take my word for it. Listen, and since 1976, when John Bonica called for an increased education about pain in all health science schools, nothing really happened to change the curriculum. And cut to, okay, so that was 1976. In 2000... Uh-huh. The year 2000, the American Academy of Pain Medicine issued a statement calling upon medical schools to increase required curricula content in chronic pain, palliative care, and end-of-life care, but very little changed because in 2011, <laughs> yeah. a study found that um, 
a number that most medical schools didn't require any teaching of pain whatsoever. Wow. Ma- many of them requiring five or fewer hours of such education. You're kidding. No, it said while 80% of American medical schools had nothing pain related in their curriculum. And so that's a huge problem because <laughs> you're going to the doctor and you're trusting, you know, that they're going to have your best interest at heart. And I'm not saying all doctors are this way. Let's just say right. hashtag not all doctors. There are some amazing right. doctors out there who really do look at the big Definitely. picture and Definitely. really do listen to you and take what your your experiences, you know, they actually consider it instead of like right off the bat, oh, you're trying to get drugs, you know. But the problem being is that because of all of this discussion with the opioid crisis, Number one, we're not talking about the other pharmaceuticals that are just as dangerous um, and damaging that that are causing overdoses and deaths all over the place. But number two, it also leaves out the fact that, you know, not one thing is going to work for everybody. And so if you're not looking at someone's history and you're not actually considering what they're saying to you because there's also another situation that happens when you take opioids and I don't have the name of it right off the top of my head but it basically makes you hypersensitive your pain actually gets worse when you take opioids really yeah and so and and a lot of doctors aren't even considering that when you're saying okay this isn't working for me it's not that I I mean who is going to the doctor just to get hooked on a drug you know i mean really realistically how many people are doing that you go in there to find relief you want some sort of just pause from this overwhelming pain you want to feel somewhat normal at least kind of you know and right so you're like give me something else give me another alternative and the only alternatives i've been offered are more dangerous pharmaceuticals and um Right. I I have found a lot of relief. I, I have not been on prescription pain medication for several years. And that's because I use Kratom, which is an organic, um, an organic, I wouldn't say supplement, but you know, it's an organic alternative. And right. I use CBD. And the last time I told the doctor this, my gastroenterologist, he's wouldn't even let me finish my sentence. I said, you know, I'm using Kratom and CBD. And he cut me off and he's like, I'm not talking about smoking pot. And then he goes on. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then he goes on to tell me I have to go on um, a biologic drug, which I've been refusing to go on for many so years. So what is a biologic drug? I don't think I know what um, that is. Well, it's it's a drug that's injected into you. It's like it's it's a long-term medication. It's not something that you just – it's not like you take a pill, a pill every day, you know. Um, uh-huh. And – it causes a lot of really awful side effects like uh, lupus, <laughs> for instance. Oh, my God. You're kidding. No. And it has co- and so it's in this particular brand that he was suggesting has been responsible for thousands of deaths. And I told him as much. I don't want to take this. I don't want to ever take this medication. And he- So you're telling me that he would rather you take his drug that may kill you rather than taking CBD oh. or Kratom. Which that actually won't hurt you, right? I mean, CBD will, will is relieve. CBD is non-addictive, non-psychotic, psycho psychoactive, not psychotic. <laughs> psychotic. <laughs> Can't say the same for me. Um, no, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 just kills me that these doctors. I mean, they're. I've actually read about a few lately that have have really blown my mind, and I hope someday I can see these doctors that are totally seeing the benefits of. Um, CBD, cannabis, all these natural alternatives. But um, it it just kills me that they can't take like five minutes out of their day to read a study or two. Right. You know, like this, um, this article that was printed, uh, published in the harm reduction journal very recently. It Mm -hmm. it says the title is rationale for cannabis based interventions in the opioid overdose crisis. And, this um, makes some really good points. So I'm going to read a quote from this publication. It says, The argument in favor of recognizing medical cannabis as a first-line option in the treatment of chronic pain is informed by science, common sense, and simple compassion. If patients never start using opioids, there is no risk their use might 
progress to dependence or overdose. And it goes on to show some very good points, and it's all backed by studies, uh, how people who have used CBD or cannabis have been able to reduce their opioid use or, or just prevent them from having to go on it to begin with because it managed, right. it managed their symptoms in a safe way. And so, I mean, I think the conversation, had, I mean, we have, we have pharmaceutical reps that go into doctor's offices and instruct them about all these horrible drugs. Mm-hmm. We almost need like cannabis representatives to go in and start talking to the doctors, just mm-hmm. like the pharmaceutical industry does. Right. And, and, and hopefully they're not from the pharmaceutical industry, you know what I'm saying? Because there are those people out right. there with their synthetics. Um, <laughs> well, and they get kickbacks, right? And oh, they get yeah. the doctor's kickback. Oh, they yeah. They get trips. They get money. They get, you know, they get bonuses. Oh, from yeah. Well, the, one of the biggest drugs. companies that does that just got busted for um, Insys Therapeutics, I-N-S-Y-S. They were recently busted for bribing doctors nationwide to uh prescribe this fentanyl spray which god yeah which was responsible for many 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 deaths and meanwhile this therapeutics company has also created a synthetic thc um medication which is already been put on schedule two or the fda has already approved it to be on schedule two isn't that crazy yeah that not crazy oh my god it makes me so angry i can't even it because because it's like you know the argument's gonna be like well then if you want doctors to consider it then uh this should be a good thing but no no (laughs) at the same time it actually could work in our favor because it's like if you're gonna let a synthetic drug be scheduled two, then you have to let marijuana be scheduled too i mean it could they could argue for it i mean it's a tough argument yeah it's a tough argument for sure for it and the synthetic one causes problems i mean it causes issues it causes problems whereas you know the plant doesn't yeah synthetic anything i am not about you know what i'm saying because right. uh I, I don't i know you remember when they had the synthetic cannabis that was making its rounds in the black market um several years ago and how many right. people died from that and had some like very bad reactions. So I'm not saying it's the same thing, obviously. No, but I think that they like that though, because their synthetic drug, they're going to go, Oh, well, this doesn't cause that's our big thing, right? That's our big platform. We say you, you can't overdose and die from too much marijuana or cannabis, but so they're going to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, but they clearly don't care about to make money. Yeah, but they don't care about that. So, I mean, that's the thing. I, I just read an article the other day where some investment, it was like an investment publication, you know, or the, and they were saying, oh, this stock, this stock is totally safe. And they were talking about the synthetic uh, THC product. And they didn't mention anything about invest this. In that. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're saying. They're like, invest in this now. And they didn't mention oh. anything about the fentanyl uh, case, you know. And they just said there was some controversy that they're they're getting over, and they're still making like a bajillion dollars. You know, this has not affected their bottom right. line in any way. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. So we live I mean, in a very messed up world right now. We really do. But this conversation around the opioid epidemic needs to definitely start considering other things, and including other things, m- mainly the people who are most affected by this, and that's. The patients that don't have access to safer alternatives and who are taking their medication responsibly, but they need access to those safer alternatives. We can't just say, oh, this is their only choice and leave it at that. You know, we have to keep pushing. Right. And we have to keep talking about it. Well, especially with CBD, because it's legal in so many states. There's no excuse. There's absolutely zero excuse. But, you know. Just to play devil's advocate on that, like as far as from the patient's perspective, there are so many people out there that still really trust their healthcare provider, if, and, and some of them should for good reasons. But I'm saying if they say to their doctor, oh, well, I really want to try CBD, but I'm on this medication, and that doctor doesn't believe in anything alternative, because I've had this happen before, where they'll just say, oh, right. Yeah, don't do that, because it could mess up your other stuff, and then you could get a lot sicker and you're a lot worse off so and that terrifies some people especially when you're chronically ill you know you don't want to get worse <laughs> you try. Well, the worst, yeah the last thing you want to do is take a, a turn for the worse i mean right. 
that's really a scary a scary place to be in but it's it's these doctors and it's really sad too because it's not like you said it's not all doctors abuse the system and they overprescribe and then the other doctors have to overcorrect right and it's it's just a really bad place to be and there's no balance in the medical world right yeah now. and i know that there's a lot that they're up against you know time constraints insurance this and right. that limitations however there is no excuse for you not continuing continuing your education as a healthcare provider and looking into these many many reports and studies of people whose lives have been completely changed by cbd alone there's no excuse for that um as a matter of fact, it reminds me of this t- TED talk that uh, David, Dr. David Cassarat did. And he, yeah. he had a, yeah, he talks about how one of his patients uh, who was severely ill because he worked, he did the palliative, how do you say that? Pal- pal- palliative care, palliative care, <laughs> right? Um, anyway, yeah. so he was talking to her about, life. yeah, he was talking to her about, you know, um, her options and and whatever. Anyway, long story short, she was saying that um, she had been using cannabis and it worked for her. And he had said to her, well, I haven't seen anything, you know, showing me otherwise that it's a positive, you know, way to go. Meaning like he hadn't seen any, anything published recently. Right. And she handed him a stack of studies and she goes, why don't you read this before you, you tell people that you wouldn't recommend it, you know? And he did. He went home and he read the studies and then he read more. It's like it only takes, what, an hour out of your day at the most to read exactly. a few studies. Um, so it's it's really frustrating when there's there's that whole aspect of it because it just completely takes away the autonomy of the patient already, which we, you know, that's something that's already a big issue. But well, and the doctors for them too. It's like in their medical community, they have to be really careful. But it was really, it's really great though that doctors like him and doctors like Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who have a platform, are coming around and saying, you know what, this actually isn't a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Yeah. And and we should be using it, and we should let go of all these forms. But you know, there's so much money in pharmaceuticals that this is going to be a really, a really big fight. But I think the really good thing is, is that there is a tide and it's turning. And, and I think that the public is starting to realize that they can be empowered and there are better options. And the more they educate themselves, the more we can get this thing. The public needs to educate themselves, not even just their doctors, but like that woman, she was educated. She went to her doctor and said, read this. And that's what we need to do as consumers. Yeah. You have to be your own advocate. It's not easy. It sucks, but you have to, because otherwise, you know, what else? You you just have to. You're in somebody else's control. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. So, um, and, and if your doctor doesn't like it, then find another doctor because exactly. your, your doctor should be happy that you're out there educating yourself and reading research and challenging them really. And I've only had one doctor like that, <laughs> but, yeah, but I know they're out there, you know, I know they're out they're, there. They are, but it's like you said, it's hard to find them. And yeah. Yeah, I know. Good fight. Just keep educating your own doctor. Yeah, and having the conversation. They're not God. Fight with them. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and consider all sides of the story, you know, and, and don't just go with what the, the headlines say. Just really find out about every aspect of this because it isn't as simple as, oh, you can just choose not to take a pill. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's enough ranting on my end. Well, right, yeah, my <laughs> topic and we can go on for days right but, yeah. but i think we covered a lot and we'll just have to see what happens with this new drug czar position and yeah. just encourage consumers to really educate yourself and educate your doctors yes absolutely so thank you very much for listening if you're still listening <laughs> <laughs> after that long rant <laughs> yeah um so until next time stay high and beautiful and by that i mean Take the high road when you can and stay beautiful in spirit. Anything you want to add, Leah? (laughs) I agree 100%. Okay. So thank you so much for having me on again, Diana. I really support what you're doing and I I love what you're doing. And I love that you support women in cannabis because it's really important for us now to enter this industry and change it for the better. So thank you so much for all you do. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Next up is our segment, Beauty with Barb, featuring our resident 
licensed esthetician who explores all things hemp and beauty related. So I'm finding on social media that hemp salve is trending. Hemp salve can be used for pain management as a topical. It helps soften the skin, and of course, using hemp as a wellness and beauty tool is proven to be one of the best healing and cell regenerative oil. Speaking of products, I got the opportunity to try some awesome product from Stoner Girl Treats and Eats, who is an award-winning, cruelty-free, vegan producer of topicals and edibles. You can find her on Instagram, hashtag Stoner Girl Treats and Eats. I'm going to talk about some of the products I used, and all of her products are made with CBD. First, I used one of the bath bombs, which was amazing. Left my skin so soft and the aroma was so relaxing. Second, I used the Black Moon Scrub as an exfoliate before I shaved. The texture was really nice and made it way easier to shave. And lastly, I used the bath salts. Those were in a very easy to use jar. All of the packaging was very cute. The salts were a minty smell, which helped with my sore muscles and opened my sinuses. All right, until next time, if you have any suggestions or questions about products to review, message me on Instagram at Beauty with Barb, and that's Beauty WTH Barb. Thanks for listening. Our first interview is Adelia Carrillo. Adelia Carrillo is the founder and CEO of the Direct Cannabis Network. Direct Cannabis Network is the leading digital B2B news networking highlighting the latest tech, entrepreneurs, and innovative companies in the cannabis industry. With her roots in the corporate and consumer electronic industry, her passion for technology, startups, and innovation has become a key strength in her transition into the cannabis space. Becoming a voice for the upcoming startups, uniting the cannabis business community, Adelia is building an inspiring yet prominent voice in the world on the topic of cannabis entrepreneurship. Adelia, what inspired the creation of Direct Cannabis Network and what is it? So what inspired the creation of Direct Cannabis Network was really my journey. Um, I consider myself a patient first before a entrepreneur or even a cannabis entrepreneur. Um, four years ago, uh, my fiance, boyfriend at the time, and I found out that we were, um, that I was going to have a baby. And unfortunately, um, you know, the happiness turned into worry and I started showing um, not positive results. Mm -hmm. So I was put onto uh, bed rest. Mm -hmm. Um, And after a week of bed rest, you know, we as women get these these kind of feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> in ourselves. Um, and I looked at Ali, who is my fiance, and I said, we need to go to the hospital. Something isn't right. Um, you know, we got to go now. So mm-hmm. uh, he rushed me into the hospital and very quickly I ended up having to go into uh, emergency surgery. You come out of emergency surgery and not only was I dealing with the surgery, but also dealing with a lot of emotional distress, uh, mm-hmm. with a loss like that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so they prescribed me a bunch of prescriptions and of course they want you to get better right away and start recovering and walking. And I couldn't, the prescriptions made me very sick all the time and nauseous. And I was really bedridden, which mm-hmm. doesn't help with recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how they always say yeah. like, Oh, um, it's only a few days. You'll be back to it. It's like, yeah, okay. You, you go through this and then see how <laughs> quickly. You uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so yeah, so that, that kind of led me into just, I was not getting better. And mm-hmm. so as a last resort, like many others do, I turned to cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually come from the consumer electronic industry. And so after the recovery and after seeing the positive results that cannabis actually did for me, you know, both emotionally and, and physically, mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back to the corporate world. Right. Um, yeah, it wasn't, you know, my, it, it wasn't my passion anymore. I, I know I'm very good at that and I could have had a very successful career. It wasn't making me happy and I wanted to do something different. Um, so, you know, there began my road to entrepreneurship and I dabbled in a couple other small businesses. I, I launched an event planning and floral design company. Um, and that was interesting, but again, it still wasn't what what, you know, um, motivated me. It yeah. was fun and, and a great start, but it still wasn't my, I guess, calling, you could say. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I started, you know, really getting involved into learning about cannabis. And I was saw that I was researching cannabis tech, 
startup entrepreneurship and I couldn't really find like a, a network or an ecosystem and I couldn't relate to the hype times or the dope magazines of the world. They do great at what they do and you know, I commend them for that, but that wasn't me. I'm not their demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started seeing, you know, there has to be other, there has to be other individuals like me that wants to know about the entrepreneurs, wants to know about, you know, the tech and innovation going on in this space. And so I, did some research and quickly after I, I realized that yes, this this was a missing need and that's really when the idea evolved of Direct Cannabis Network. Um so with all that being said, <laughs> Direct Cannabis Network is a leading business to business news network. Mm-hmm. We cover the latest tech, entrepreneurs and the innovative companies in the cannabis industry. Um so and much to learn from that well, we website. I mean, I love it. You have so much on there. It's amazing. Um, totally recommend everybody checking it out. And so what would you say is your favorite aspect of your work? Well, it's, you know, when when I was looking at this question, I, I was really analyzing everything that we have done. Mm-hmm. And it always went back to the same thing, um, you know, and I'm sure you can probably relate as well. We're we're giving a voice um, to to individuals. Mm-hmm. For me, it's you know, for me, it's entrepreneurs. Um, I want to share their why. You know, we all know launching a startup is hard. But launching a cannabis startup is ten times harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, many of us are still fighting a stigma against cannabis, whether it's you know with the people that we're close to or even in a career aspect. And a lot of us don't even have access to capital and we're all taking chances, you know, building something um, that's going to take 10 times longer and a lot more money. So it's really being able to give a platform for entrepreneurs to share their stories, share their why uh, and, you know, give them a voice to talk. Yeah. To connect and talk about what they're doing. Yeah. There's certainly a lot more moving parts in this industry, I think, than probably any other one right now. It it makes, yeah, it's good to have a source that like you offer though. That's amazing. How do you choose which content will live on direct cannabis network? Well, it has to follow our niche. Um, so it definitely has to align with, you know, technology, innovation, or entrepreneurship. Um, we have been able to build a network of contributors uh, who also help us build uh, DCM's voice, and they are building their voices and leadership uh, more specifically towards educational content, mm-hmm. but the content's geared, um, their content's geared still towards business, uh, the industry, and startups. Mm-hmm. So it was really with our with our niche and our voice is how we we figure out which content's going to be live on DCN. Okay. What qualities did you look for when you initially created the DCN team? Mm, I would say passionate individuals. Um, I learned very quickly, you know, you can have somebody that came from a huge corporation and that has the profile or, you know, the resume um, but you need passionate individuals because, again, launching a startup's hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have to be able to do the grunt work with you. They have to put on many titles and many, many jobs and handle many tasks. So it was really building a team of passionate individuals who, who kind of aligned with, our, with my personal values at the time and then also helped me build DCN's values um, in, you know, how we were going to evolve this this company and, and this network that we were building. Um, so I would first go with passion, passion. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the talent's obviously important, but the rest you can of it train falls people. We can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can learn anything. Mm-hmm. If we really want it. We can learn it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that is so true. And I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it's so true. You know, it's like, if you have that passion, especially in this new market with so much that we're fighting against, I think that that is the most important part. For sure. Um, So do you have any advice for content creators who want to break into the cannabis space? My advice to content creators would be to, you know, really utilize this opportunity to make your voice and content uh, different, but Mm -hmm. also be a resemblance of you. You know, we're, we're all highlighting history in the making. It's, one thing I always say with DCN, and, and I think it reflects to everybody creating content in this space, we're a part of history. We're highlighting history. 
um, in some way or shape or form uh, through our content. So this is each of our chances to really be creative and story. Um, advice, though, is, you know, consistency is so key for all of us. Um, you know, we need to plan accordingly and we need to really calculate how much time and effort and, and the cost of creating content because originally, you know, with this bigger vision of DCN, I, I didn't really realize how, how much overhead or, or time would go into some of these um, content pieces that we're creating, mm -hmm. but it's worth the effort, you know, yeah. but it's, can you say that again, please? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's so true, though. I mean, people don't realize how much work goes into each piece of content they consume. And it's it's a lot, you know, especially mm -hmm. if it's it quality quality content, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I you, you, we both can relate. So yeah. yeah, you know what we're doing. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> um, do you have anything pr to promote specifically or any calls to action? I know you have a podcast, right? Um, I checked it out. I think it was pretty yeah. interesting. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for me, the call to action is, um, you know, if, if anybody out there wants to stay up, on the latest tech, entrepreneurs, and innovative companies in the cannabis industry, uh, visit our website. It's uh, directcannabisnetwork.com. And also click the subscribe button. We, we send out a, a monthly newsletter just, you know, showcasing um, some of the highlights and content we've created each month. Um, and also, we'd love to, you know, hear more stories from other entrepreneurs. Um, so definitely reach out to us, and we'd love to see how we could help. That's awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time today um, with us. Oh, did, we, did you get to mention your podcast is on the website, right? That's where it lives. Oh, yep, yep. Everything's on there. We have our, yeah, our shows, our, our yeah, all the content is on our website. <laughs> awesome. Um, thank you again, really. It's been a pleasure, and I really appreciate you sharing your information and experience with us today. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be a part of this, and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. <laughs> Thank you. Next, we have Sarah Ramesh, founder of 270M and managing editor of Varide. Sarah is a digital marketer, advertiser, and creative who started her career in 2009 developing strategies, executing campaigns, and managing production. With a demonstrated track record of involvement with innovative campaigns for Fortune 500 and luxury companies, Sarah continues to keep her finger on the pulse of the industry. After some time in-house at globally recognized agencies, Sarah founded 270M, a boutique creative and digital marketing shop which focuses on luxury and cannabis brands. Sarah, what inspired the creation of 270M and what is it? 270M was created really out of my passions for um, media as well as creative development and branding. Um, I also wanted to get out of the typical in-house agency environment and experience and, you know, let all of our ideas come to fruition away from a cube farm. Um, mm -hmm. well, we do creative for brands. We do overall branding and design as well as advertising mm -hmm. off of luxury clients and cannabis clients. Nice. And how have you applied your experience from other industries to a career in cannabis? It's funny. I always say that having the ability to execute marketing and advertising campaigns, it really works across whatever industry that you want to take it to. So you mm -hmm. take the tools and you apply them. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity in cannabis right now to create a positive environment for women mm -hmm. who can flourish in, a, in the workspace and um, working towards that goal of really helping it others improve their life through cannabis consumption is a key to what we're trying to do. Yeah. That's awesome. Would you say marketing for cannabis brands requires more creativity than other industries? And if so, why? Certainly does. With all the restrictions and laws on advertising and distribution of content, we, we have to find constantly unique partnerships and ways to display cannabis without kind of breaking the rules per se. Mm -hmm. So, Coming up with creative executions, it's a challenge, but it's really fun to work with. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> it keeps it interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, it really does. So what inspired the launch of Varide, and what is it? 
as I became more involved in the cannabis space about three years ago now, I noticed there wasn't a casual destination for consumers to learn more or be exposed to new cool products or see that this lifestyle of a cannabis consumer could really be applied to anyone. Everything about cannabis could be reading variety. It's just a, a destination to get a little tidbit about the industry or happening and keep up with the trends without having to know, you know all the details that goes into what's the difference between a THC and a CBD product. And you're the managing editor, correct? Is that what? Yes, that's yeah. correct. Awesome. I really like the articles on there. Um, Thank you. Is there any advice you have for women who want to start a career in cannabis? My biggest advice would definitely be to just keep networking. Uh, working in a bunch of different industries throughout my career, I'd say that this is hands down the most supported group of people that I've come across. Mm-hmm. Instead of typically everyone's kind of in a competitive landscape and we're it's a bit more cutthroat, we're here. Everyone really is working together towards the goal of legalization. And it's really a refreshing industry to, to work in. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite aspect of working in the cannabis space? There's a couple, really. I love enjoying seeing what people are creating um, as far as products and the story behind those. You see a ton of kind of low, real standout, either vaporizers or products that are changing the way that people are consuming cannabis, both recreationally and medicinally. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I also really enjoy just meeting people that are involved. We end up having a lot more in common. It's not that everyone here is just a stoner, but everyone's story is unique, and it's great to just keep meeting all these people and hearing about their background. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for taking your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. Our final guest is Lauren Mealy, CEO and founder of Kush Cards. What started as a fun do-it-yourself gift for a friend quickly evolved into Kush Cards, which are colorful and clever greeting cards for your favorite cannabis enthusiast. During Christmas season of 2013, Kush Cards founder Lauren was on the one train in New York heading to work when she had the bright idea to attach a blunt to a card for a guy she was seeing. With a design degree from the Fashion Institute of Technology, Lauren set out to create her vision, taking matchbooks from New York City restaurants to construct her first prototype. So Lauren, what inspired the creation of Kush Cards? What inspired Kush Cards was when there was not an option to gift cannabis. I was in, I wanted to gift a friend some type of cannabis, and I was tired of going to CVS and looking through their cards and finding outdated, not relatable cards to today. So I decided to make my own card, and where that's where I would uh, roll and sew joints to cards and people's initials and names, and that's what turned into a push card. That's awesome. What gave you the idea to incorporate a match strike into the design of the cards? So usually there's never a lighter around to be found. Everyone loses them, people steal others, not on purpose, but um, I wanted to make it the all-inclusive card. So having the sticker and the matchbook included, it really gives you, you don't have to look for anything. You can gift the card, get the card, and light it up right away. Oh, so it actually comes with matches as well. That's cool. I just, I saw the match strike. I didn't know you had matches with it, too. I guess that makes yeah, sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Matches are in the back of the card. Yeah. And it's a fun way to, it's a fun takeaway as well. So you have the matchbooks, you know, and you can use them over and over again. That's really cool. I like that. In what ways did you bring your previous life experience to creating a business in cannabis? So everything in my past life or have our school has helped me in every way throughout my business. I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York, and from there I studied uh, visual presentation, um, everything from packaging to home product development. And where my first job, I was into um, designing fashion bath accessories for mass markets um, such as the Bath and Beyond. So where I learned is I learned product development, how to create an idea and get it from you know, a concept to on the shelf. Um, I learned packaging skills in school and visual presentation through internships and, um, like I said, in my former job. So 
every skill has just been through experiences that I've been through in my corporate and my schooling life. How was your, um, how has cannabis influenced your creativity? So cannabis has influenced my creativity because it helps me block out all other distractions that I have, which, you know, as we know today, society, there's a lot going on. So when I want to think of a new card or think of a new way to market it, I use cannabis as a way to really focus on this idea and think really outside the box and how I connect to my consumers the best. And what is your favorite aspect of working in the cannabis space? has to be the people, the people who I've met along the way, the organizations that help provide a platform for you to meet people, uh, the networking events, the trade shows. Um, so really just who I've met has gotten to me to where I am today. Do you have anything specific to promote or any calls to action? Yes, yeah, so we actually, yeah, we actually just started um a stoner stationery. So this is a set that comes with a Hydea notepad as well as a before you forget post-it and a pen that has on it smoke more, write more. So this is encouraging the smoking professional to set up your desk area or have a platform for you to, when you're consuming cannabis, you know, and you have those like sparks a moment, you have something to write it down. Awesome. Looking forward to the that. Um, well, thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast, brought to you by Cannabis Women's Alliance and Good Vibes Marketing Agency. The Cannabis Women's Alliance was founded to bring community, guidance, and inspiration to women working in the cannabis industry. Good Vibes Marketing Agency is a digital marketing agency that creates organic content for organic solutions. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, you can email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com.